0: I never took a leap until it meant something to me. So it truly meant so, you know, I had to put like, that's my grandma right there working. And if she loses her job, like that's, that's a huge impact on her life. So it's weird that I needed that push. And so it helped me find out, you know, who I am.
1: All right, everybody, thanks for listening to Veil Media's Now You Know Podcast. It's me, Will kinney again. Today, we have uh, one of our local entrepreneurs, uh, and he has a pretty cool story on all different levels, kind of your upbringing, his upbringing, uh, and then his career also. Um, Austin Childs, welcome to the show, man.
0: Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Dude, I appreciate it. We, um, I, I want to tell a little bit about you. Yeah. I, so, I, I, I first... Came across you on another podcast, Village Made Podcast. Yep. Shout out to Mavell over there doing his thing. And uh, and uh, I thought you had a really intriguing story, and I wanted to see if I could unpack maybe your professional career a little bit more. Um, again, all in the hopes to uh, inspire, you mean, our local community. Yeah. Um, individually, or, you mean, everybody. You know what I mean? So, you to to give everyone an idea. So, 30 years old. Yep. And you started a company uh, about two years ago, a little more than two years ago.
0: Yeah, just about two years ago.
1: Okay. And your company is called Osmark, mm-hmm. um, and it's a software company, and you guys run analytics that help companies kind of understand their employees. Is that right? Yeah. What, so it's a it's
0: it's really the system that they ran run right. So like it, it helps them track how much dollars are losing. Um, down to the minute. Like what minute of the day did they lose the most dollars? Um, obviously, if they, if we track losses, we track gains as well. Uh, we track KPIs, so key performance indicators for all of the individual employees. And so our goal is, is to empower employees, right? And so quit with the micromanaging and create a software that allows managers to now become empowers, right? And so they can uh, teach their employees how to really treat their job like it's their own business. Mm-hmm. And so, but there was no way to do that out there. Um, obviously, team meetings was like the closest thing I could find when I was doing the research. Is like um, telling people, mm-hmm. but I was like, no, nah, I want something that can really show a eight dollar an hour salesman, right? That has to prove the rest of their worth. Like you're only worth eight dollars an hour to me as a company. Everything else is have to has to be proven. And so I wanted to um, empower them, right? Because man, like any any job, when you're in a call center, any job, it gets tiring because it's repetitive. And so I wanted to try to make it fun for the everybody.
1: Well, I, I want to unpack that a little bit later on. Yeah. Just kind of how you got into the nitty gritty and where that even came from. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to. You I mean this is a podcast? It's not a visual thing. Go ahead and check out Village Made podcast. They they do videos on YouTube if you want. Uh, but I want to describe you, if if you don't mind. Yeah. Because uh, if you think of a software type guy, um, the general stereotype would be if and 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 we'll talk a little bit about this a yeah. little bit about this later. How tall are you? Uh, about 6'3". Six, 6'3", three. Six, three, yeah. Big dude. About poly- three hundred pounds. Three hundred yeah. pounds. Yep. Uh, not your typical, um, not your typical software guy. Mm-hmm. When when you think of software guy like you mean coding on 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 his computer um and and you got involved with that and i think that's and that actually kind of rings true even to your upbringing Mm -hmm. um because you you, you're tongan right yeah tongan and then and you talk a little bit about this so we won't dive too much into it on um village Maid but um but uh you you were adopted
0: yeah at three months three Three months months old so i don't know i know no different
1: yeah yeah and you were you were born here in Utah or you were No, so
0: I was born out in uh Fiji. Okay. Yep. And so uh that's where my mom was at and so I was adopted from Fiji brought straight to Orm, Utah and been there ever since 3 months.
1: So you kind of been breaking the stereotypes literally from <laughs> from the beginning, right? Yeah. Austin yeah. Childs is big poly kid and then now you're um you're growing up in a in a Caucasian family and mm-hmm. then and then uh being a wearing that same uniform but now you're in the software space right but let's I want to kind of go back to your background uh tell us about what kind of kid you were growing up
0: yeah so kid man I was uh I was how do you explain it like just typical kid right like most of my time was spent outside playing I never had a fascination with any like you know computers or anything Video games were more of a social thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was all about being outside, but I always had, like, an itch. I could never stay inside. Um, So typical, like, inside. um, Grew up mostly um, with Balangi friends, so pretty much didn't really know Polys at all, um, besides a couple vacations to Hawaii, right? But that's where you get the tourists, like the old school. Yeah. So really, like, I didn't really have any... So yeah, I just grew up, but it, you know, it's kinda weird it's uh it's kinda weird to talk about it because where I'm at now and what I know now compared to then, it was it's just so different, right? And so I was just very innocent minded. Um, I joke about how I just thought I was white. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I yeah, I didn't see any difference. And so yeah, that's kinda how I grew up.
1: What uh what what about in school? Were you a pretty good student?
0: Yeah, school was uh, I was a good student when it came to going to school, Mm -hmm. right, and getting my work done. I had a horrible issue with turning in my work. Like, I remember a parent-teacher conference, like, every year, like, from first grade to six, my parents would, like, walk to my desk, (laughs) and we would just start pulling stuff out, like, very unorganized, Right we start pulling stuff out, and she, my mom would be like, oh, here's this assignment, here's this assignment, all these assignments that I got Fs on. Mm-hmm. Um, I did them, you know, because I did, I never believed in homework. Yeah. So I'm like, well, whenever the teacher's talking from a young age, and this was like, I was very aware of this, uh, from a young age, I wanted to get my work done before I went home. Yeah. You know, and so that just kind of, so I put it, but I get it done, but the teacher wouldn't have the basket ready for us to turn it in, so I'd have to put it in my desk. And the next day, i just kind of get lost, and I'd be more focused on recess, so. That's funny, man. Yeah.
1: That's funny. I'm the same way. I was, uh, I like to do the, uh, whatever I can do during school, mm-hmm. and then whenever I, I uh, didn't finish. Yeah. I'll just turn it in like that. So, if I'm oh, okay. yeah, yeah. like, 70% through, I was like, just turn it in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least you turned it in. I didn't even turn mine in. Oh, well, yeah. I, I never even finished mine, man, but.
0: Yeah. There we go
1: but I'm wondering when when you were younger and you know what I mean kind of uh as as a child and even as an early teenager or going into your teenage years, did you have an idea of what you wanted to be professionally or um yeah, you
0: know, well, I mean, I did, but it was unrealistic um and I said and it wasn't back then, but it is now um I was just focused on sports, right mm-hmm. um being poly, I was the tallest kid, like I was a head taller of everybody growing up. And so sports were just kind of what was told to me. And I love sports. So like I have like basketball by far is my favorite sport. Football was by far what my body was meant for. And Mm -hmm. so like those two sports were just like a passion. Like I wanted to be the next Kobe. And then during football season, I wanted to be the next Ray Lewis, you know, back in the day. And so, yeah, so really um, that's what I wanted to be. And I I knew that was my path. Like there was nobody telling me otherwise.
1: And then and you fire and did you pursue you even pursued football after you graduated? Yeah. Pursued high football too. in
0: like the worst possible way, but yeah, I did pursue football. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it, and then it when did your your football career officially end?
0: Officially ended when I was uh 20, I think it was what 24, 25 um uh-huh. out in Kansas City. Okay. Um tried out for the Chiefs and uh failed horribly. Uh-huh. So yeah.
1: Okay. Now, from from there, you transition into kind of a, professionally. You go from a, like a athlete to um, a sales role, right? Mm-hmm. And um, was that how was that transition <coughs> moving from from athlete to kind of maybe a more corporate type of?
0: Um, it wasn't that hard of a transition because uh, I had my first um, son. So, kind of to back up, when I was eighteen. I ended up having a son that was stillborn, so he passed away. But that really, like, kicked my butt into gear to be a worker. And throughout throughout my whole life, I've always known what it's like to work. And so I saw it as competition, right? But it, I always was able to get through it because I'm like, I know football is going to bail me out. This is temporary. And so uh, when football was over, it was kind of just already a habit. I knew I had to go to work in sales and that it was just kind of a – uh, came pretty natural because I saw it as competition, right? And so, I, luckily, football ended um, in my mid twenties, and so I was able to be mature enough to be like, "Okay, hey, now I just got to focus, refocus all this energy, same mentality, into business."
1: And when you were when you started your sales career, will help us understand what your what your state of mind was. Were you thinking? this is the rest of my life, I'm going to be a salesperson? Or really quickly, did you find out, like, I'm going to do my own thing?
0: Yeah, no. Um, so really, it, the my own thing came slowly. It was more of I saw, I would look at people in an individual company, so like the CEO or a manager, whoever's above me, and that would be my goal, right? And so I would do everything possible to get to where they're at. So it was really, like, find a good career, uh, very old school, right? Find a good career, settle down, uh, buy a house, pay it off in thirty years. Typical, yeah. and so that was kind of my goal: was just how much money can I make a year, um, and how big can I grow a salary? That was my goal. That was my mindset at that time.
1: And then, where did the idea come from to start your your business?
0: Yeah, so my idea came uh, probably two thousand sixteen. And um, you're
1: twenty six at that time. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I moved to from Kansas City. To Utah, and I just saw so much opportunity. It was, it's like when I moved to Utah. Utah was like the, like the promised land of starting your business, right? Sure. There were so many people doing it at the time. Um, there was so many people, and that was back when it was all about like fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. And so I was just meeting a lot of people that were saying a lot of things that were sticking out to me. And so uh, my first job, I started kind of creating something that could add to it right so me at like the lowest level i was like on my lunch breaks i would like go to like the big off i didn't even know who these people were i would just walk and knock on the offices um that someone that looked important and i'm like hey i have an idea and they're like man you got to talk to my secret. like you know they blew me off every time um but that's when i knew um so that that's when my mind shit my mind kind of shifted and it said um don't be an employee be somebody that can come into a business and build it more
1: did that, did that come to you naturally? Like that was yeah. just kind of a natural thing? Or were you coached around that?
0: I uh, wasn't coached, but it was naturally off of what I heard, right? Like based off of what I was hearing of all my new friends or my old friends that I'm catching up with in Utah. Yeah. How all these overnight millionaires are being made out here. And I'm just like, oh, that's going to be me. And so my first route was like, what's easy? Who I'm already going to work. So why not try to build the company I work with? Yeah, and so that was that. It was it felt natural, right? But it, um, it didn't come until I actually heard people talking about it.
1: Dude, I think that's one of the most important things because, um, well, just this mindset that we should provide value more than counting. You know I mean how many hours I get in so that my my check is is higher? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, you know I mean not a lot of people realize that. There's another uh, successful entrepreneur here from Utah, Aaron Wagner. He talks about. Yeah he talks about providing value like if i come and 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 the people who are moving forward in in my opinion have an eye for that right to have an eye it doesn't matter if you're the janitor who comes up and says hey i saw that you guys were doing it this way Mm -hmm. um this isn't my job i'm supposed to sweep the floors but um but i thought that maybe if you you mean you could maximize whatever in your process and be more efficient um that's that is more valuable obviously it's it's providing value but that uh that will have more impact on one's career than than trying to tally how many hours you can get in yeah yeah why do you think uh what do you think it is people have a hard time shifting their their focus that way
0: yeah well i mean i think it's more risk right because it's easy Somebody gives you an amount of hours, right? Somebody gives you, like, a task to do. And it's easy to knock it out and then maybe do a little bit of extra credit because you're being taught that from kindergarten, right, that you get good grades and then you have extra credit opportunity. But then it kind of stops after that. Um, Nobody says, like, is the math program we're teaching, do you think there's a better one out there? If you do, go for it. It's always like, no, whatever's given is what's accepted. And so people just are norm to accepting all of these things and – um, yeah, it's the ones that step out and be like, how can I bring value and make it better? Or how can I bring value and become competition and be better? However you want to look at it. Those are the people. But it's, there's a ton of risk, right? Yeah. Because uh, the biggest risk is you're being seen at the bottom in the beginning, right? Because it's like, who is this guy, right? With this crazy idea. And then you get turned down. And then, you know, you can't. Like, you go from a salesman, and then on your break, you're a pitchman, for Yeah. And you get turned down, and then it's hard to walk back into the sales floor. Yeah. Because all your hopes and dreams are up in the sky thinking this is the next big idea. And you've been telling everybody, and now you're back sitting with them. And so people are scared to do that.
1: How did you deal with that?
0: I, oh, it's, uh, I was just, like, it was, and I'm happy, I'm blessed that it, was nat- it came natural. I was just resilient in it. Like, uh, having, having my son when I was 23, he's six years old now, like, I was just determined um, to at that time um, which has changed now but at that time I was determined to give him the best future I possibly could yeah. and I knew it was not sales because I knew my personality I get burnt out easy um, when I'm repeating things and it's easy for me to get in my head right? and so I knew that I had to find a career path that was non-stop new and it was just as far as I could take it without repeating myself
1: I'm interested in, um, in uh, how how you started. So yep. so you're working for um, some of the local companies here yep. on on a bunch of sales teams, yep. and um, you just decide to yourself, "Hey, I'm going to start watching all these people and seeing if they're maximizing their time while they're working." Is that how it started? No, or- it,
0: well, yeah. So it started with. Um, so it actually started at a, a company Alder. It's down in Orem. Uh-huh. and I. Uh, so it started with Alder. And I was in a management position. It was my first job out of sales. And so I was actually doing the scheduling department. There was just a ton of, and I, but as a manager and being a smaller company, I was working with the CEO, the COO, and like we were talking on a daily basis. So that was like my first real taste of seeing the top, the problems at the top, the problems at the bottom and the middle, what's affecting what. And so I remember there was this lady who was going to get fired. Um, she was older, right? She was an older lady, and she just didn't fit in with the millennial crowd. She was that one that made every meeting go 30 minutes longer sure. just because of every question, everything. Raise your hand. Write it down. And so, but I knew she was the most valuable because, you know, I listened to calls. Um, QA, I knew she was the most valuable, um, but it was my word against everybody else's word. So they asked me if they could fire her. They said, I said no, and then they went above me and they ended up you know and i said L- let me give me a week to prove that she i'm like i promise you you're firing somebody that is um the thing i liked about better she was content with what she did she wasn't trying to make a career she was older right she was just she just needed a little bit of money and she was so she wasn't a threat to anybody and on top of that she was really good at what she did she was never you know and me as a manager i'm like she's never late she never asked to leave early, which is a typical millennial thing to do. Right, right. And so I was just like, we can't lose her. But anyway, so we get, um, we finally get it. And so that's when I created the Excel sheet. Um, and it, so it as a mixture, I set it on Village Made. Um, I was trying to get out of work early myself doing the typical millennial thing. Yeah. But then also, once I found that reasoning is kind of both of them is what really drove me to actually create an Excel sheet and start listening to calls and seeing what I wanted to pull and throw on the Excel sheet to prove her worth. And it came to find out that she was like by far, so I did her and then two other employees. So three people total on an Excel sheet and I literally listened. I was working like probably 15 hour days trying to listen and see what I could pull, right? And I I I didn't have software in my mind at all. This was just me trying to help out this lady that I knew if she lost her job, it'd be a bigger deal because of her age, you know, with the age discrimination going on. And so that's kind of where I created the Excel sheet. And then I'm like, oh, wow, this is pretty dope, right? Like, this is pretty uh, legit. And I was I was happy with myself. And, that's,
1: and the, the spreadsheet just was kind of pulling out data points within mm-hmm. these calls that you're monitoring yep. and uh, proving essentially her worth yep. and saying, hey, look, her output is actually higher than yeah. you mean person A and B. Right.
0: And, I yeah, my goal was is to really prove, like, on a dollar how much she's making, right? And so, like, how much are we giving her? How, how many breaks are we giving her? Her benefits, whatever.
1: And doing this spreadsheet, um, which probably took some time. I'm not sure how long mm-hmm. it took you. I guess a week or so. Yeah. Uh, not not part of your job description, right? This was Correct. kind of above and beyond. Yeah. Um, again, I I only bring that up because it's this whole idea of providing value mm-hmm. for the you mean whoever you're working for or with and whoever your partners are because I think that's just an important part.
0: Yeah, and it's cool because I, I learned a lot about myself, right? Because I've had an idea to make the call center better for your you know years, all the years I worked at them. I never took a leap until it meant something to me. So it truly meant so you know I had to put like is, that's my grandma right there working. And if she loses her job, like, that's it's a huge impact on her life. And, you know, with me, I could just go find a job. It's Utah, right? I could go find a job in another day. And so, um, so it's weird that I needed that push. And so it helped me find out, you know, who I am um, along the way of also, you know, kind of both sides. So me personally, but then my values of who I want to help.
1: So it sounds like at this point... After so she saves her job or mm-hmm. this saves yep. her job, perfect. And and at this point it sounds like that you kind of were like, Hey, I think I'm on to something. This is actually was a really cool thing that I put together. Yeah. Um still an idea at that point, but mm-hmm. when when do you when do you tell someone else that hey I think this is this might yeah might be more yeah. of this than just a one off?
0: Yeah, so it was actually somebody who told me. Somebody actually saw it and was like, did you do that? And I'm like, yeah, how'd you do it? So I told him, And I said, yeah, so I could listen to every call, and I took what I wanted to, and then I added value to it, and then I calculated, you know, I, I did the, the estimation of what it would have made them, you know, how much that customer was worth to us, um, all those different things. And he's, that's when he brought up software. He said, you should turn it into a software. Again, till he said that, my mind did not even, it was more of like, oh, I could do this every week. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, I still wasn't thinking in the right direction, but I was in the right direction. But I wasn't, you know, thinking right. I wasn't ready. You know what I mean? I didn't know enough. And so, still till then, other people were telling me like, "No, you need to do it." And so that's when I went and pitched it to the CEO
1: of that company. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and really quickly, I know you've told the story before, but yeah. but how did that conversation go? Because that actually kind of propels you into starting your own thing, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So he liked it. And he said, Man, we I would love to have this. And um, I was like, you know, in my head, I'm like, Pay, Payday Payday's here. Right. Right? And I'm like, he has a developing team. I'm like, he's gonna develop it. I'm gonna get paid for it. I'm like, man, this is what I've been waiting for. And so then the kind of conversation ended, like, oh yeah, we want it. Let's go ahead and implement these things. And then it kinda ended. And I'm sitting there like, Do I ask? Or do I just, you know? And so as I'm like about like gathering my stuff, I, I like, hey what am I getting paid for this? Yeah. And he said, Oh, well, you know, you're a manager. Um, it's just kind of part of what you do. And I knew it wasn't, right? But it's like, do I want to argue with this guy? Um, because this guy's super persuasive and uh, very persuasive, meaning like I could walk into his office, like heated, um, ready to throw blows with him. And I walk out, like, man, that guy knows what he's talking about. Right. Yeah, he's one of those guys. And so obviously, you know, he, um, but he, so I knew that um that after that, I went home, thought about it, and uh, I didn't even normally I discuss things with my wife. I just told my wife, I said, "Hey, I'm quitting tomorrow, this is what I'm gonna do and she was surprisingly one hundred percent supportive of it
1: so, Wow yeah <clears throat> so then so then you um, from that point, you need. And, and and this is kind of an important part, part mm-hmm. that i want to talk about yeah because i'm hoping that there's some listeners out there that might have a solution to a problem that's all businesses right is solving problems mm-hmm. and um and and i think this is important to talk about because you own a software company and you are by a lot of people's definitions not necessarily a software guy mm-hmm. and that's uh and you're and you're still doing it. Yeah. And I think um, that's a hurdle that I think a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs or creators might run into. This in this case it's software, but another another case it might be something else. Yeah. But um, you tell your wife you're gonna start a software company, and you know what I mean. I, I can imagine maybe a, a close friend would be like, "Hey, but Austin, you don't know anything about yeah. creating a software." Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about overcoming that hurdle and then what your next step was.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, overcoming the hurdle is one thing. And I think this is from my parents, right? My parents, it's just anything is possible, right? Like anything you see on TV, anything you see anywhere, a man, if a man made it, you know, or if a human created it, then you can create it, right? And so I'm just sitting there and I'm like, how hard, like, you know, I'm all about, um, up till then right kind of to backtrack a little bit up till then I was really good at finding ways to delegate responsibilities to make my life easier yep. right that's this kind of person I was mm-hmm. and so doing that that really I kind of already knew right so like it was okay the first night I was just like what did I get myself into I just turned down a good paying job no insurance right like I'm just like what an idiot but then I was just like no like I can find I can use my skills I can delegate I can find people to help me do this right and then I you know another thing that I had to deal with I'm like oh well then I'm not gonna own any of my company because they're more valuable than me so like just different things and so I ended up watching um, I forgot what movie it was but it was a, it was some movie and anyways in the, within the movie there was a quote that was just like, action or progress is better than, stand. or action is better than standing still, right? And so when when I heard that, I was like, you know what, I need to stop standing still and worrying about something that hasn't even happened yet. I just need to go for it. And so I'm like, I know I have a good idea. I I have confirmation that a CEO of a company said it was a good idea and that he wanted it. I'm like, if I can do it once, I just need to actually build it now. And so that's kind of where that journey started.
1: And so... Um, what was your first step with you? Do you look for developers around you? Do you go looking for angel money Yeah. or friends and family? What, uh, what, what was your first step? Yeah. So
0: my first step was, and it's, it's like, I'm going to kind of like leave out the bad. Th- I mean, I don't have to leave out the bad things, but like my first step was like, oh, I have to like the bad thing I did. I had to look like a tech guy. Right. So I went and I dropped a ton of money on like a new laptop, all these different gadgets and i'm like i have to look like a tech guy to get respect from a tech guy <clears throat> so opposite right and so in doing that um but then again i knew that i needed money right and so it was buy stuff but then i'm like oh shoot i'm spending all this money and now i need to get money so i started like researching angel investors on like linkedin right all of these different like who can i talk to i was calling these companies getting these secretaries like Um, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm I'm building a software business. I just need money. They're like, yeah, and we'll have somebody call you and they never call back, right? Um, And in the midst of that, I started talking to friends about, hey, you know anybody that codes? Because I had to, in order to get money for it, I had to give them like an estimated time of how long it would take to code it. And so that was really the direction I should have went. But that was like more of like, I just need to ask people on the side. Mm -hmm. But that's where my direction went. Is it, I'm like, oh, These college kids and I say it like they're like below, but they're not, right? But I'm like in my head, I'm like, if I can convince these college kids to work for free for me, and I'm like, I convince all these people to give me a ton of money on sales, right? I can convince these people to give me time. And I'm like, they're not even mature enough to like they don't even know what they're really they know what they're gonna do, but I'm just like, I can do it. And so then I'm like, I'm gonna get a bunch of college kids to work for me for free. And that's kind of the route I went. I went and out.
1: You ended up building um, a small team of, of developers that had committed to you, saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna work for this project." How many develop developers did you get?
0: I had three, four total. So four I had three developers and one lead developer, and I had no money to pay them. And they, but they said, "Hey, we, I sold them on the idea and." I said, this is what, I, and I sold them on my goal. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm trying to empower people. And they were all for it. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, would you do it for free? And that's when it's kind of like that awkward, like, all right, can you pay me a little bit? I'm like, I can't. I'm like, I can't even pay myself. Right? And I said, but, I'm like, we start building it and we show a little bit of progress. And then I can go to investors and then we could really get some money, get you back paid and everything.
1: And all this in, in this period of due diligence mm-hmm you also put together uh, um right you put together kind of a business plan Mm -hmm. because you approach you end up approaching a family friend uh who is a successful lawyer here in utah yep um and you approach him with this idea now was it kind of a setup like hey uh mr x like uh can I come visit you in your office? Or was it at like a family barbecue? And what was that conversation like?
0: Yeah, so no, he actually, um, so I knew him, but then he also worked with me at one of my, the places I worked before. And so we already had a good, like we respected each other's work ethic because um, I, was, I was doing pretty well at the company I was with with him. And then obviously he's doing really, really well. He's a lawyer. And so I went to him and I just said, hey, man, I have an idea. And I said, we've talked about it before. And uh, what you're doing right now is not something you can pass on to your kids unless they choose to go to law school. But what you're doing right now, you can't pass it on. I'm like, I have something that you can pass 49% on. And I said, this is the idea. And I pitched it. And he was all in. I said, I have this much money. I know you have this much money. This is what we need to build. And so that's where we went.
1: (coughs) And... um And then, so then you guys put together the the software. Were there any uh, complications in kind of like uh, building it in the first little bit? How Mm -hmm. long, I guess, how long did it take to you got your first version of your software? Yeah,
0: it took forever. It took, well, I say forever. It felt like forever, but we had a good lead developer and he just kind of, he would just call me or have me come over to his house and I would just, he's like, tell me everything you know. And it was a lot of law. Like I'm like, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Because he's like, I know nothing about the industry. Because I was looking to attack security, um, because that's what the, what I knew, and I knew how many problems there were in it. And so he's like, tell me everything you know. And I'm just like, uh. but eventually, you know, I got better at it. And so I got better at organizing my thoughts and and spitting them out to him. And then he just kind of built it. He's like, oh, this is what we need. And um, another insecurity that came up, right? Like, I'm like, I don't know if he's even... I'm like, I can't really, you know, get mad because I'm not paying him yet. So I'm just like, but is he wasting my money? Like, is he wasting my time? Like, is his, is this the right guy? And so a lot of insecurities. Um, I went to a lot of different techs, a lot of different developers. And I said, hey, this is what he's doing. Is it right? And, you know, you get the 50-50. Some people are, oh, yeah, that's what he's doing right. But then I'm just like, you know what? Progress is better than standing still. So... Is if we can get money, we can go back crack and, and
1: do it again. And then, at, at what point do you kind of overcome this first? Hill? Maybe when you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, where you're like, you know, because I, I imagine in the beginning of starting a project, you know I mean there's a lot of uncertainty, and, you, mm-hmm. and you're thinking like, dude, I just got another person involved <laughs> in this crazy yeah. idea, and you start building something. Um, but was there a moment for you where you were just like? Dude, I think this is this might actually work.
0: Yeah, um, I don't remember an exact moment um, that it happened, but it was a time when we were about a year in, and I was just like, um, it was about a year of like insecurities, right? Like I was just going through a lot of different things. Like, am I the right person to do it? Am I even building this right? And then, what if I get these guys sued? Right? Like it was a lot of different things. Like, am I, am I infringing on a patent right now? Just different things like that. And then once I just said, you know what? Like, I don't. I'm going to be unapologetic about what I do. And then I found like the three things that I felt most um, important for business. And it that's when I like just kicked into gear. And I started going at like 100 miles an hour, like zero to 100, a lot of thinking to a lot of going. And I just, I remember that's when I got that feeling, like, no, nothing is going to stop me or my company. Um, And it was just nonstop. Like, I was texting people at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. um, And it was the same person every hour, right? I was just blowing his phone. I never got a response until the morning time, right? Until, like, 8. But I was just blowing people's phones up. I was literally getting two hours of sleep, like, just running, like, crazy, just because I'm like, no, this is going to work. Um, At that point, we've had enough input from different people that have had very high positions at companies that they're like, no, this is something new. And so that's when I just like, so it's about a year in, I just kicked it into high gear and went for it.
1: What's had the biggest impact on you in your development as a business owner?
0: Uh, As a business owner, uh, probably those three things, right? So respecting business, like taking a step back and away from software. And studying the game of business, like, it's a real, like, it's just a, it's a career, right? And it's hard as an owner because it gets caught up in your life, right? And you're like, no, like, it's it's just a career. Um, it's the same thing as a lawyer. It's the same thing as a doctor. The only difference is, is, like, your your choice of career is being an entrepreneur. And so that kind of calmed my nerves, right? Like, I, I gained more respect for the game. Um, there's competition out there, training just as hard as you are, kind of like sports, Right. And so I had to just know that I had to put in the time and that when game time came, you know, I don't know if I'm ready. I need to stop worrying if I am. I just need to prepare like I need to be. And so and and then the discipline to actually just do it and then have fun doing it, you know. So like those are the three things that just kind of stuck in my head as an owner is like it's not about software. If I make it about software, I'm making it about something I have no clue what I'm doing. It's about business. It's about you know it's about the game of business so
1: what about um like uh when when you look at kind of where where you guys started Mm -hmm. two years ago um there's another podcast by a local guy jimmy rex Mm -hmm. um he had uh greg warnock you know greg mercado partners i might so they're they're out in the Cottonwood Heights area. Doesn't sound familiar. So um, Greg, uh, he's a uh, he was interviewed and he talked about uh, one of the things. So he's looked at hundreds and thousands of companies and yeah. owned a billion himself. Mm-hmm. But uh, w- I remember he said something along the lines of um, one one of the guarantees that that he knows is there for companies is that on year 1 there it's going to look totally different on year 5 right so mm-hmm. you you're developing thing he uses i think on the podcast he used an example of maybe there's a company that sells teddy bears uh, but at year 5 they realized i mean at some time between there they had to make a pivot and they're selling chocolates at year yep. 5 right so it's a different thing you yeah. I mean um what kind of pivots have you made in your guys's business
0: yeah so we were it was more of we haven't made too many pivots, right? We've stayed true to the software, and I, I find that as confirmation that it's a good thing we're doing, right? right? <laughs> it's more of we've made pivots on directional, like where um, our demographic that we want to attack.
1: Because originally you thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be security focused.
0: Yep, and then it realized, then I'm like, oh, we could go into credit card companies. We could go into banks. We could go to real estate. And so then it, like, it took a lot of turns, right? And then... It turned into writing out, so I had one phase of software, right? And so my pivots were, I started writing out more phases because I'm like, I'm gonna sell a company 10 times, right? And so I'm just like, I'm gonna find a company, sell them 10 times. And that's gonna be my bread and butter because I don't know if I can sell 20 companies, right? But if I can get one, I can get them again. And so that was more like the pivotal changes for me is like the direction. And I'm not building to sell. At first, I was, like, building to sell. And then I'm like, no, I'm going to be, like, the next Bill Gates and run with his business. But then I was like, no, I'm going to build it. Like, I kept going back and forth. And so, really, and who knows, a month from now, I might change my mind again. And so, but he's right. Like, business, it's almost like a a kid, right? So, it starts off as a baby. You can't really do much with it. Mm -hmm. But you're excited for the future. And then before you know it, they're saying like 10 words and they're like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the first word's big, but then they're saying 20 words or 10 words. And it's kind of like it just happened without you really paying attention. Yeah, That's exactly how your business will be. And so whatever, and your customer base and the people around you, they will tell you where your business is going, right? And so it's most important just to open your ears and listen, open your eyes and watch and kind of see where your business, like what are we what are we succeeding in? And so far, I don't think we've hit enough different things to make the decision of what's the best, right? Because we haven't even hit the second phase. And so, once we hit the different phases, I think that will happen for my business. We'll know, okay, phase one, phase three is out of it. Phase two is what we're going with.
1: Nice. Now you're still fairly early on. Early, er, mm-hmm. the company's still really young. Yeah. Um, but just your your life and your the even your life as a person, but then your life as a business and, and everything else considered, there's ups and downs, right? And that's, yeah. that's what business is. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, is there a particular failure that you've had that you felt like, uh, has benefited you the most or maybe you're,
0: yeah, definitely. Well, there's a couple, so there's, I'll do a personal and a business one. So Great. I'll go first, I'll go first with the business. So business wise, I got overwhelmed with the politics of business, right? Um, people like once you get more than one partner it starts to turn into a game
1: which happened with you guys that mm -hmm. you you started out with just you and you started out with me yeah and And today you guys have four four
0: total yeah yeah and then so but in the beginning right we were so willing to give away partnership because we didn't we had money but I'm like let's just keep the money and give away partnership and that was my strategy right and so When you start giving um, giving away partnership, you have to deal with egos, Mm -hmm. and so it got to the point of where there was so much backstabbing. Like, hey, we don't need this guy. Let's get him out of here. And you know what I mean, like just different things like that. And I'm just like, yeah, I think I'm done. So I'm like, you know what? Uh, I kind of got a little bit of a little arrogant and a little bit cocky about it. I'm like, you know what? If I can do it once, I can do it twice. I'm gonna step away. I'm tired of you guys. And so I actually stepped away from my business and was going to become my business's own competition.
1: And what, how far into the business was this?
0: This was, we had, this was after investors and after we were making a profit. Yeah. So we were making a profit and we already had investors and I was just like, I'm done with it. And because I'm like, I felt like I gave away something I shouldn't have, you know, just different insecurities sure. that I was too immature to handle. hmm and so I stepped away from the business and it was like, literally went cold, like we didn't talk at all. And I stepped away and actually, you know, I told my wife, I said, okay, I'm gonna go back to work and I'm actually gonna work and I'm gonna come up with a new business in the meantime um, or a way to be a competitor. Within that, I ended up pitching the same business that I created the first time. I ended up pitching the same thing that this the company I was working for and I ended up going really far. Um, and we ended up getting the point where we're signing a contract, and so. Um,
1: and this is a big money contract.
0: Big money, the biggest money contract, like it was multi multi million dollar contract, and for us that was the biggest contract of actual income. Uh, to that point, we had about possibly about nineteen million in investments, but we've never had a ni- over that um, contract, and so it's crazy. So then it got to that point, and then.
1: And you're on your own. I'm on my separated. own. Yeah. You you you've landed this contract that's bigger than everything that you built mm-hmm. prior with your with with uh, Osmark, right? Yeah,
0: with Osmark. Yeah. And so and then it got it almost got to my conscience, right? Like these guys put a ton of time into me. Um, well, first before the conscience, it was me. Like now, who do I find again? Like now, I have to start all over and I have to go find a new tech team to be- rebuild it. And so now I have to tell this contract. That I don't have something built. Right. I have to go back and tell them, like, actually, I have to rebuild it. Or I can, you know, be a man about it and just go mend things with them. And so that's what I chose to do. So I called them. I said, hey, let's uh, let's talk. Let's go out to lunch. We went out. um Took him to a really expensive restaurant, you know, the typical apology, like, you know, like the, <laughs> the, the girlfriend apology. Right, right, right. It was like that, like, uh, should have bought him flowers, and like things like that. But I was like, hey, like, you know, um, and I, w- I still wasn't, you know, I, who knows, I might still be too young now. I, I wasn't apologetic about it. I said, this is how I felt. This is why I did what I did. And I'm glad I did it because this opportunity came. So I never said sorry to him once. I said, hey, we have an opportunity. Do we want to join? Like, you're either in or you're out. And some of them were hesitant. Some of them were on board, you know. But um, eventually, now we're at the point where we were able to close it and everything like that. Sure.
1: Because that, not only was that the biggest contract uh, or deal that you guys had landed. Yeah. But it was like the biggest deal that you had landed by far, mm-hmm. right? Like,
0: like, by 40 plus million. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um,. It sounds like they made the right decision and to, to yeah. partner back make- up. <laughs> yeah, so we all partnered
0: back up, and we lost a couple throughout it, but we've gained a couple. And so, but now, it's just like everything is just like once you make, like, you know, and then, oh, you know what? First, let me go back to my personal. So the question you asked, right? Yeah. Um, if you don't mind if I go back please, to Please, please. So, yeah, personal, it was more of... The biggest mistake I made was the, or like biggest low was living in the hype, right? So living in the hype of what my business could be, but it's not there today. And so I would, you know, me and my wife, we would plan to live in certain houses, drive certain vehicles, and um, and I would hype it up, like, oh yeah, plan for it because it's about to happen, you know what I mean? And I'd be telling my friends, you know what I mean? And I'd just be telling them um, the good case, the the best case scenario. I wouldn't be telling them like, but you know, this it's gonna take three months to get, you know, or right. f- two years to get there. And so that was probably my biggest mistake. And now it helped me really find out who I was. Right, I'm somebody that doesn't like to deliver bad news. I'm somebody who's who wants to, uh, but I'm also a believer in myself. Like if if I know it's if I can see it's possible. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen because it's going to happen, right? Like, I don't make a wish list. I make a I'm going to have list. And that's the confidence I take into every business I go into now. And so, um, but I had to understand, like, I had to, like, you know, go through the embarrassment of, you know, I'm going to be living here and then I'm still living there a year later. So, yeah. And so, but that was probably, like, the biggest down is really coming to reality with that. Um, but now I look at it like, dude, I love that I did it. Yeah. You know, I love that I did it because, like, I would have rather done it, you know, young than make that mistake later, you know.
1: Well, what what do you think your biggest takeaways are from both of those, right? From the what's the biggest lesson you learned from living in the hype of things? Yeah. And uh, and, and also behind, you mean, taking away, like, stepping away from something that you built. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what yeah, biggest
0: takeaway is uh, the personal one: living in the hype and then having the embarrassment of it not happening, right, right away. That was that was biggest takeaway was by far knowing that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Like it, it really doesn't matter what anybody that their judgment on you, and being able to be comfortable in my own skin, meaning like they've already seen me, um, you know, embarrassed. So it's like, it's only up from here. And so with that, it really just helped me, you know, because like even like social media, like I'm sure when you started this podcast, like, right, you think of like the closest ones to you, like, are they think, they think I'm like doing something that's, Mm -hmm. they're not, I'm not even known for, right? And you kind of just get rid of it. Like now it's just like, I'm all about sharing the knowledge I have and I do it unapologetically. I do what I want when I want kind of attitude. And I don't really care what people think. And so I needed that because I needed that to help me grow in business um, so that um, when it comes to a decision of where I get overwhelmed, I know who I am, right? And so I can't see myself stepping away from my own business again and being that immature kid um, because take my my partners are all 40 plus, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm 28 at the time, 29, right? And so... Huge age difference. And one of them's retired, like 65 plus. And so huge gap in age. And so they were probably looking, man, look at this little kid. You know what I mean? And so the personal, going over to the business, it just helped me realize, like, there's going to be lows. There's going to be highs. It's how well I can navigate and weather through the storm. And so my business is a ship, and I'm the captain. I need to be able to um, be mature enough to stick with it
1: it's no, powerful man yeah going back to to the story so you guys um closed this deal um and now and, and does that does that deal kind of push your company out oh, of the that, red yeah red that deal you're yeah profitable now mm-hmm. uh which is which is a big deal yeah um now if you what does that look like for you? You know I mean if if you're telling someone else who's starting, and mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I want to start a software company, yeah. and I want to get to where you're at, but you're at a place on the mountain that I can't see, yeah. Um, what what are you telling? What what's the best thing that you could tell someone who's who's trying to climb?
0: Yeah, well, really telling them, I would tell them like know the air, like what software are you doing, right? Like, are you doing like it, are you doing a, a SaaS? Like, are you services a software like? What kind of analytic software? What kind of software are you doing? And then research like crazy, right? Find out all the, like, that's really, uh, unless you know how to code, Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know how to code, you have to know what all the other companies are doing, right? And it's literally on a daily basis. Like, I have to know what they're doing today, you know? And so that's really the advice I would give is, like, do a ton of research before getting into a software company. Um, and then knowing your idea, right? And then being very detailed with your plan, being super detailed with your plan on how you want to execute it. And so really it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of alone time I'm sure. of research, preparation, all of that. So,
1: Well, so uh, now that the company is in the green and you guys are profitable, uh, what's next for the company? Are you guys going to just kind of perfect um, what you have? Or are you guys looking to diversify what's next for Osmark?
0: Yeah, so what's next? Honestly, the future is, you know, obviously with older partners. Um, and if they hear this, just know that it's a, just a guess. <laughs> um, but it's I think they're going to be wanting to sell out soon. So I, I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be me solely for a while after, you know, in the near future. And I think that, you know, obviously picking up new partners, um, I, would, I really want to just keep going with it, right? See how far we can make it, see how many people we can empower. Uh, my goal is is to, like, make it a common thing to make $100,000 in a call center because the money's there. After you see the money, the money's there to be paid out, but it's our companies willing to empower their employees and pay it out, right? And so I'm really just trying to look at making a huge game-changing difference in the game of business great. where doing the right thing comes over doing the business savvy thing so
1: i'm wondering what your what your thoughts are on working with partners yeah. i think uh in in speaking i i we we interviewed uh jeremy nevis who uh ran a door-to-door company called excite yeah
0: he's he's a great entrepreneur yeah, yeah. Do you know jeremy
1: yeah so, so we, we interviewed Jeremy, and uh, and he talked about you know, because you, you hear all the horror stories, you know what I mean. Like, and uh, and his take on it was, you mean know, he he recommends working with partners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to to hear what your take if it's the same or if it's um, different.
0: I I like I really I enjoy working with partners, right? Because I like learning and I like I like what two great minds can do together, and so. And the more minds you have, obviously, the more partners you have. Um, But biggest thing is, like, I I also don't like working with partners uh, because I am, like, this is something I want to pass on to the generation before me. Or, you know, after me. Sorry. After me. And so my kids, right, like, I want to pass it on to them. So I'm still, like, Jeremy's way ahead of me, right? Like, to the point where... I don't know if I really want to partner again. And so I'm still, to be completely honest, I don't know what, I, what my true feelings are. Like, I can obviously go over pros and cons list, but I would say I'm probably going to partner with somebody in the near future. and But it's, it's more about vibes, right? It's not about what someone can bring before they come to the table. It's what the vibe together can create after, the, after it's brought to the table
1: well, and that that seems to kind of be kind of a newer accepted thing right in the professional space, mm-hmm. right kind of instead of looking at your accolades, achievements and merit badges yeah it's a uh, dude am I going to get along am I going to want to come to work if i'm going to be working right next to you right every day yeah and um and I think a lot of these newer successful companies will tell you that that probably is more important i don 't care if your piece of paper says that you went to some ivy league school if if yeah if we're not on the same wavelength, it, it just, I mean, even if it is successful, it might just be kind of a miserable time.
0: Yeah, and that's, um, that. it's it's almost like a marriage, right? Like, don't marry somebody because of what they did. Marry somebody for what you feel for them. It's, it's, uh, it's the same thing with business. Like, do not get into a business because, um, and I almost did a couple times, right? Like, some people offered me a lot of cash, like cold, hard cash to buy my business. Um, Our partner with me and so I was just like man like it's tempting but it's just like the vibe wasn't there right yeah. no sincerity and not so I just gave away what I could pass on so
1: oh, that's awesome Now I know we've we've talked about your 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 journey um, and, and when you look back and this will kind of conclude everything but um, but when you look back, at your journey as a businessman and, and um, just even your personal life, what are you most grateful for?
0: Uh, most grateful, honestly, most grateful for family and where we've been placed. Right. So the decisions that me and my wife uh, made to get back to Utah and what Utah has brought to me. Right. So the the uh, the illusion that it's all possible. That's what it brought to me, and then I just had to reach out and grab the opportunity. And so, I think that's probably the two things I'm most grateful for is where I'm at today, and then the who I'm with today.
1: And then maybe some parting words around um, working through fear and insecurities. Yeah. Um, you you hit, and you can go into details on the story before, yeah. but or after. But uh before this, we had talked, and you told me a story about. Paying out um, an employee, but you just didn't know any better. Yeah, and you're just kind of going <laughs> with the flow. And, and cause yeah. as a business owner, you need to be really mobile and agile, mm-hmm. right? To to kind of you know what I mean be like water, right? Basically, yeah. like. And so, um, what 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 parting words or advice would you have to for someone to kind of uh, deal with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, first, I'll do the parting words, but then I'll go. I'll tell the story real quick because cool. it's a funny story. It wasn't very funny, but it was um, (laughs) we had I had an employee at the time and we were we were pretty on a crunch, crunch time basis. Right. And so he I got a invoice for one week paycheck of eight thousand dollars. And me being the owner, I had to make the final decision on I had to sign the check. And I'm like, I have no credibility to sign this check. Like this guy could be lying to me and saying that we needed like I had I could not look at his work and man I was so like I was like literally like I was actually sweating when I got the when I had to make the decision and you know and we pay out Friday and I got it Thursday night and I'm just like what was he doing why didn't I know you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so but that's when I just had to say you know what like I'm the owner of the, con- like, there's a, there's a time to panic. I could literally go, but I'm like, who would I want to work for? Somebody that just makes a decision and is confident with it or somebody that makes a bunch of phone calls and asks why, why, why. Like, it, that shows more insecurity, you know, calling everybody and, you know, trying to get, and I'm just like, you know what, like, I'm just going to sign it. So I just signed the check, um, but then I knew I had to go find my fourth partner, somebody that was just be part time but somebody that could help me make that decision next time. And so yeah, funny story. But and to this day, um, the guy that I brought on to actually check work, I never asked him to go back and check because I didn't want to regret writing that eight thousand dollar check. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm just like, nah, but it's still like not haunts me, but it still comes to my mind every day. Lesson learned. Yeah, that I don't want to be in that position again. And so
1: Cause he was he was what he was doing was what he was doing
0: what he said he was doing was super important
1: and it was coding right yeah Something it was coding familiar with.
0: but it wasn't coding enough to show a result sure right and so I'm just like man like it was it was tough yeah right
1: so the lesson in bringing on someone who was familiar with that to kind of yeah make sure that yeah.
0: yeah and that's what you know my parting words like really anybody in business is understand there's different levels of business. But it's important to be yourself throughout all of them. Um, don't watch an Elon Musk movie and walk out the door, Elon Musk. You're not. Right. Like, you have to find who you are. And biggest thing is, is, like, you know, just be yourself. And if you don't know an answer to a question, just be honest and say, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's – you'll be at the level. Don't, like, try to be at the level you want to be at 35 years. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to start there. And so um, – but it's tough. You know what I mean? Like, but really just know who you are because that's what the new like millennial business world is. It's a bunch of unique people that aren't following a guideline. And that's what makes business exciting is because there are so many rules in 2020 being broke that like, you know, 20 years ago, it would have like, your business would have been shut down by everybody. Yeah. If they would have broke that rule. Nowadays, it's like people don't even care. So it's like be yourself because uniqueness is wanted, right? And the day your uniqueness is wanted, be ready for it. Like, be ready to handle it. Yeah. Because it's it's coming. Like, it's 2020. You can sell anything. So.
1: Oh, sweet. Austin Childs, man. I appreciate you coming yeah, no, on, I man. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, dude.
0: Yep.